Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode Number 3. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this, oh, what is today, Wednesday, Steelers Nation, as we are in the middle of the, the longest part of the Pittsburgh Steelers training camp, day two of six straight practices that will include Friday Night Lights on Friday. Pads came on Tuesday for the first time, a very exciting and spirited padded practice for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Dave, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well on this Wednesday. What a, what a busy week this is, too. As we mentioned, you know, the string of practices that they have. Uh, obviously, they had had the day off on, uh, what was it, Monday. And then now they go Tuesday through Sunday. I think NFL Network uh, had, had you know was out there at practice on Tuesday. Uh, I know for sure that uh, uh, Sirius and, and uh, Pat, uh, Pat Kerwin and Jim Miller from moving the chains will be out at, you know, out there on Friday ahead Can't of Friday. Yeah, yeah. Friday night lights. I mean, they usually do a good job on their interviews as well, too. And what they'll do is during their show, which will run during Friday night lights practice, they'll play all those interviews like back to back to back that they recorded earlier in the day. So, you know, you sit there Friday night, you're following along on Twitter. If you're not there at practice and, and, and getting your great reports and others great, you know, uh, reports on Twitter, and then you're able to listen to these interviews as you go. So uh, this is one of the the meteor portions, obviously, of of, of training camp. And you know, I, I, you know, once again, it's going to be busy, and they'll continue practice today. And boy, what an a, eventful, both positively and negatively, mm-hmm. uh, practice first padded practice of 2023 on Tuesday, right? It was, and we won't go as in-depth as we do in the special edition episodes. You can catch the Tuesday recap of the of, of practice in the previous uh, edition of the podcast here. But are you still over that George Pickens catch? Because I am not. It still blows my mind, even knowing how good George Pickens is. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I, know, I, I think too many people are getting trying to get caught up and taking sides of pass interference or whatnot. I, you know, uh, look, I, I, I can see arguments and why people are having having those but i mean this, it's practice i mean we're yeah, enjoy about- it enjoy <laughs> yeah. the play guys i mean we're practicing enjoy yeah enjoy the nuggets there and you know i i look at it I, I i can look at this both ways first and foremost uh you know porter right seemed to be in pretty good position on that and how many people make that catch you know in, in- one George yeah. <laughs> uh in the position that he has there uh second Man, how about that catch? You know, uh, uh, and you know, look, I, I'm I'm not a big fan of him turning around and and, and showing them. You know, I got my ice cream. You know, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I like you, that. You know, you want to lick. You know, uh, and then I could do without that exchange. But I mean, these are two guys that are that that are competing. I'm sure the trash talk leading up uh, to that is, is you know that's the stuff that we don't see in here that probably. You know, they're, they're, they're constantly going to try to one uh, e- uh, up each other that way. And then on the back end of that, you can see some of the footage, you know, Grady Brown comes running in uh, and, 
uh, you know, go, goes right to Porter. You know, I think, you know, just talks him through it. And I, I can imagine saying, look, you know, sometimes this is going to happen. The guy's mm-hmm. just going to make plays on you. And, you know, there was other pictures, you know, after practice, Ike Taylor was there and Ike Taylor, you know, I think went, went, went right over and talked to him after practice as well, too. And, you know, I'm pretty sure Ike Taylor told him, look, you know, there there's ebbs and flows. You have got to be a strong minded guy to play cornerback in this, in, in the NFL. Uh, even if you're Darrell Revis or, or, you know, uh, Deion Sanders or whatnot, you know, because yeah, you got to make your share of plays, but at some point the other guy is going to get you, you know, and how you're a, and I remember Ike Taylor talking a lot about this uh, during the time he played is, you know, you got to be able to put that last play behind you, even if it was good or bad, because Mm -hmm. you you got to go on uh, to the next play. And look, Joey Porter Jr. has been around the game long enough, right? You know, uh, and, and, you know, he's, he obviously has his dad in his ear at, at, at all the time. So uh, this is the part of the, the you know, it, yeah, it's a welcome to the NFL. But I mean, look, they're, they're, and you wrote about this late last night. These two are going to have battles for see, you know, for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. And one of them is going to win some of them and the other one's going to win some of them. And it's not a bad thing to have two guys like this constantly battling. And it's also good to hear that, you know, one wins, you know, over the other every now and again, you know, the old, you know, I hate to use the cliche iron sharpens iron. It's too easy there, but these two guys should make each other better because once again, you know, how many guys make that catch over, over the position, you know, position that Joey Porter had on that play. So I don't understand why people get so caught up in, uh, is it PI or not? Look, the refs will figure that out on Sunday and we can bitch about it or not <laughs> bitch about it, you know, at that point. But I, I would much bat, much rather look at, you know, from the catch point on and, and see what we can learn and not learn there. Sure. And appreciate the great moment that was that catch that was that rep. A couple of thoughts here. Um, A, you're right. They're going to make each other better and they're going to make the Pittsburgh Steelers better because you go against a top level guy like that in practice every day. You get into a game against that guy that maybe doesn't have that quite talent, quite level of talent, the way that Porter is built defensively, the way that Pickens is built and plays offensively. It's going to make the game feel easy compared to practice when you're not dealing with Porter, you're not dealing with George Pickens. I would say besides quarterback, cornerback is the position that requires the most amount of mental toughness because you're right. You're going to get burned. You're going to get beat. You're going to give up, give up a play. The way the rules are built today, the way the NFL game is played today is built for offense, built for points, built for big plays. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. And what you saw from Porter was, you know, after allowing that, quote unquote, allowing it, it was an incredible play. Later in practice, he gets his first interception off a deep ball thrown by Mitch Trubisky. Great positioning that Porter had, pinning Cody White to the sideline, leaps, picks the ball off, runs it back. So he makes a play later in practice. Um, My other thought in the context of that, you know, because I understand if there is any sort of nitpick about Pickens on that great catch was, you know, kind of throwing the ball back at Porter like that. I I would just like to add some context in seven shots, uh, Porter. Um, had, a, had an incompletion thrown his way to Pickens and Pickens thought there was a little bit of contact that he was held. 
He pleads to the ref for a flag, doesn't get a flag. And Porter and Pickens are jawing at each other a little bit as they kind of walk back. And so I think that's why Pickens reacted the way he did after that catch, sure. because they were just going after at it like five minutes before. And so um, that's the context there. But yeah, I think overall for Porter, what, what I love the most was after practice, Porter asked about that moment and he was just gave the most professional level headed answer you're ever going to hear from a rookie. You know, as you said, iron sharpen iron. He made a great play. It's a great battle. And and that's why you draft a kid whose dad played in the NFL, because he understands how the game works and I'm not going to take it personally. And it's football. It's competition. He's grown up and he's seen that his entire life, being a ball boy, being in the locker room. He understands the NFL environment. And so that produced a very level headed response that kept him cool and allowed him to make a play later in practice. Did you see Ryan Clark uh, chime in on that? Uh, I didn't. Uh, he said something. Let me pull up. Uh, see if I can find a tweet real quick here on it. He uh, he says, man, and, uh, you know, man, and I think this is more of the throwing the ball in the face afterwards. You know, he says, man, I know George is a dog, but the way this practice would have turned into a uh, line scrimmage after this rep, <laughs> Uh, it would have then changed the entire tone of camp. Uh, man, if this was 08, uh, 2010. So, you know, you got a defensive player there. Uh, yeah. What, what, what do I always, you can take the, you, you can take the boy out of the trailer park, but you can't take the trailer park out, <laughs> out, out of the boy meaning. And, and I mean that in the, in the way that Ryan Clark is now an analyst, but he was a former defensive player on the Pittsburgh Steelers in a, in a Steelers defense that had a lot, obviously a lot of pride, right? Uh, there's some things that you're not going to be able to take out of Ryan Clark. And that's his thoughts of, oh man, ain't no way that guy's going to throw that ball in, my, in, in a defensive player's face at practice. You know, I get where he's coming from, but also we're not at 08, 010 Steelers defense <laughs> right, right now either. When, when they become that, okay, you know, I, I, I can see the, but I just thought it was funny that, uh, uh, that Ryan Clark's focusing in on, I mean, he, he, you know, he thinks it was a great catch by, by George, obviously, but he immediately goes right to, Oh, Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, he did. You know, uh, mm-hmm. within that there, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think you hit on it and look, you know, this team's had some, some, some athletic, you know, some decent corners in the past that just didn't make it over the top, you know, Cortez Allen, you know, was a guy with a lot of length, a lot of talent, but you know, I, I, I think Cortez Allen, Going back, I think he had a problem with getting getting past that that last play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? I'm sure it's a problem for a lot of corners because it's tough. I mean, you don't want to be on because you, you, when you give up that play, you know, you're going to see yourself on Twitter 4,700 times that night and you got to go out there and make sure. a play. It's going to happen. So I think Porter has that mental toughness in the work ethic and in the right demeanor and personality he's a talker i mean he'll give it right back to george pickens as he did in seven shots but oh with a, da- with a daddy like peasy how can, right. you, you know what's coming out of his right. mouth well that's my point because i mean that's why i don't think porter got too mad about picking stone the ball at him because he understands the environment and he took it right. well and he, and he made a play so that's all you can do is you gave up gave up a play which is really not your fault to begin with you go make a play later that's football man right all right, let's kind of reset things and kind of go back to some of the transactional housekeeping. We didn't know we were going to go that deep down, <laughs> down the hall, but uh, it definitely was a topical situation uh, yesterday for sure. Absolutely. So from an injury standpoint, 
Um, a, a couple of notes here, including one important one we'll get to in just a moment. But Mika Fitzpatrick remains out due to personal reasons per Mike Tomlin. He has not been a practice the last couple of days. We'll see if he's there today. DeMonte Casey remains out with a left ankle injury. He shed the boot he was in for a day. He walked around on the field fine yesterday. I love that, uh, just to go back to that conversation briefly, the Casey in the background of that cat, <laughs> just the look of like, oh my God, did that just happen on his All face? Right. Had me laughing. Um, but Casey looks to be pretty minor overall. Of course, the big news here is Corey Trace Jr., the seventh-round rookie out of Purdue, suffering what Mike Tomlin described a non-contact injury to his right leg. Appeared to be a, a knee injury um, in the last play of the second team period session. He crumpled to the ground, grabbed that right knee, was carted off his head down as uh, he was off on the cart. And uh, this is a guy that unfortunately knows what torn ACLs and those injuries feel like. He tore his ACL at Purdue on the other knee, to be clear. He had a left uh, ACL tear back in 2021. Uh, We don't know for sure what the injury is. We'll just have to wait and see. But obviously, it looked uh, very concerning. Yeah, it did. And, uh, you know, the only thing that, that, you know, I think until we do find a definitive is to just remind everybody that, you know, there's been a couple of times, in, in previous years, Robert Golden, uh, uh, Ramon Foster, where it just seemed like the, the worst news was going to follow, you know, the day after and or two days, you know, day or two after. And it ended up being better case scenarios than, than, than originally thought. So uh, we only play doctors on 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 Twitter, you know, so we, we don't know. And you know, all, all you can do is keep your fingers crossed. It didn't look good, and especially with his with his injury history. And you say it was the other knee he tore before. Yeah, he had a broken left ankle in high school and a and a torn uh, ACL in his left knee, so the other knee at Purdue. So whether I, I don't know if that I guess it makes it a little bit better than the same knee, but regardless, you know. And again, we're not saying definitively what the injury is, but right. it obviously looked very concerning. We'll just wait and see. He's going to have to go back to Pittsburgh, get tests. May not know until maybe later today, tomorrow. We're not quite sure, but that is uh, a concerning and potentially substantial injury suffered by Corey Trice. Yeah, look, and, and, and once again, you know, we, we don't know yet, but, man, he, you hope you're not talking about a guy with two serious knee injuries this early in his career, right? Yeah, that's what you hope for, for sure. So some transactions and players brought in as the training camp shuffle begins. Para running backs were signed and on the practice field for Tuesday in John Lovett. And Greg Bell, love it from Penn State. Uh, Bell, I believe, San Diego State. He was in Detroit last year, got hurt, and spent part of the year uh, on injured reserve. And so that was to replace the injured Alfonso Graham, who currently remains a Steeler, was on the practice field yesterday in good spirits. But I have to assume he'll be waived injured at some point here pretty soon after tearing his labrum during Saturday's practice. And the team also released running back Jason Huntley which came as a surprise to me. I don't know what the situation is there, but uh, two running backs out, essentially. Two running backs in Lovett and Bell brought in. Yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> I knew you, I, yeah, I was trying to think. I knew you were going to make a reference. Is it, Was there an actor, John Lovett or something? Uh, oh, or? John Lovett's on uh, John Saturday Lovett's. Night Live. Uh, okay. Probably just a little bit before your time. Yeah, over my uh, head. Uh, I, I think it was definitely 90s. He had a lot of great sketch characters uh, in, in in Saturday Night Live. I, I want to say he's maybe in the tail end of kind of the, the Eddie Murphy 
uh, is he like Sandler Farrell or like before those guys came? I, I think uh, probably I can't remember, uh, you know, the exact time frame, but he might have been like the tail end of the old cast crew and then the, the entrance of kind of like the Sandlers and okay. uh, spades and right. And, 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 and all like that. But, uh, you know, there's, uh, have you ever seen the movie rat race? No, with because Whoopi you asked me Go- the question. With, have I seen a movie? Uh, no, I've not uh, seen Whoopi Goldberg and, uh, Oh, John Lovitz is in that. I'm trying to think there's a lot of different, uh, uh, you want something that you want a movie that you'll just laugh your head off, uh, uh, throughout rat, uh, uh, Rent, rent, rat race. I mean, and I think I even, and that's, it's an older movie. Now, when that thing came out in the theaters, man, there are some scenes in there, Alex, that I mean, I'm laughing. I'm just tears running down uh, my face. It's, <laughs> it's so damn funny uh, there. And John Lovitz, he's, he's, yeah, he's a take it or leave it. I think kind of guy, some people like, you know, find him funny. And some people just think, I, I don't know what the fuss is all about, but I, I've kind of found some of his old Saturday night live uh, characters to be funny there. But anyway, back to the running backs there. Uh, it, you know, it, they needed the bodies there and they, they both have tall tasks, you know, ahead of moving forward here. They do, but they have some size. And so in typical Steelers fashion, they want some bigger guys and love it. Got, a welcome to the NFL or to the Pittsburgh Steelers, at least in backs on backers getting flattened at least once. And I think twice by a Landon Roberts and Mark Robinson. So um, that's a, that's a, how do you do there for him? But uh, we'll see what those guys can do the rest of the summer. Pittsburgh also working out a pair of cornerbacks on Tuesday. I believe that would have come before the trice injury. Cause usually yeah, like these workouts it. occur in the morning and not uh, later in the day. And so according to the NFL transaction wire and Aaron Wilson, Pittsburgh working out, on Trey Braswell and Mac McCain. Um, McCain was kind of a draft sleeper coming out of North Carolina A&T, and uh, Braswell uh, played at Missouri State. So one of those guys could get signed just based off the timing of the Trice injury. That would uh, not surprise me if one of those guys came in, and then maybe you get either something with Trice or the waved injured from Alfonso Graham. Yeah, and yeah, at some point, this Alfonso Graham, you would think, you know, I, I they probably want to just make sure they write, you know, get a second opinion or whatnot on him or, or let him have his surgery or whatever he needs yeah. first, because it sounds like that for sure is a torn labrum according to, you know, Graham himself there. And when that happens, he'll obviously be waived injured and then clear waivers and then go to IR on a split salary. So that'll be the second player I think uh, on this roster on IR, that's likely to stay there for the entire season on a split salary and split salaries, folks. Once, you know, once you get to week one, all, all, all players on IR count uh, against the salary cap. They don't count in the rule of 51 at this time of the off season because their split salary does not, is not high enough to get them into the rule of 51. But once the uh, start of the regular season comes, any players that are on IR or, 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 you know, reserve PUP or reserve it, you know, NFI or anything like that, they count against the salary gap. So you, you, you're already looking at two guys in Rennell Wren and, and, and Alfonso Graham that are going to be uh, on IR with, with split salaries. And I think they're a little less than $500,000 each. So you've got a mi- almost a million dollars in cap charges and people always wonder why I carry that three million slush fund in in my offseason projection because look we're, we're almost you know uh, and and where that slush fund comes in into play is the is 
you know, you need bottom of the end, you know, a, if it's a notable player that's on IR that that's already into 51 and you're going to need a bottom of the roster player to take his place. Well, that's going to probably be a minimum of salary uh, uh, that, you know, you know, that, that takes up the roster spot there while your guy is your main guy is on IR, but on the flip side, even guys that probably weren't going to make the roster, you know, those guys are, are minimum salaries or less when they're on IR. So that's why I always try to build in like a $3 million, $3 million IR slush fund, you know, cap, cap fund, if you will, for the start of the season with doing my projections, because inevitably you're going to have some guys on IR and you've already got a million dollars that you've got to account for there. Now, Corey Trice, we obviously hope for the best, but if he goes on IR, being he's a seventh round draft pick, there's more than likely uh, a split salary designation in his. So that would be another. So you're almost up to uh, you're about one point three million dollars in 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 IR charges, and mm. you're you're not even you know a full week you, into yeah. you know full mm. full week into training camp. Yeah, yeah, you're one day in pads and already having right. these things mount. Um, I don't want to assume the worst case with Trice, but if it is worst case with him, would he be a waived injured or would they carry him? I mean, because obviously the, the waived injured, those guys getting claimed is extremely rare, although it has happened before. What, what would be the mechanism to get him to IR? I think you could just send him straight there. Can you do that? Yeah. He wouldn't have to go. He, he wouldn't be a waived injured. How does that work? How does he get to a bypass the waived injured? Uh, well, wait a minute there. I'm trying to think if there's a certain date that they can start putting these guys on IR directly or not. So there, that, that, that might be something related to, although I think I've seen, let me see if there's any, because I I forget there's something with the rule and I know I'm kind of hemming and hawing around here. I mean, you could probably waived injure him and he probably wouldn't get claimed because a, if it is a, a serious knee injury, probably wouldn't get picked up and he's a seventh round pick and, well, uh, here, here, here's the thing. If you waived him that way, you'd cancel out the rest of his contract. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. I didn't consider that. So whereas a guy like, like Graham, it's not a big deal, you know, to, to, to waive him injured because he's okay. already, you know, uh, he's on a rookie contract and all like that. So when you say cancel it out, obviously his rookie deal has gone. So what, what happens to his status for 2024? Well, then, then, I mean, he's still, he, I think he'd still be under contract, obviously, for for the for the rest of this season. But I, I I think he would become technically a free agent at that point. Really? Okay. So they, I'm sure they probably wouldn't do that. Check then. on that. All I don't. Right, so. I, I, I'm trying to remember uh, the situation with with uh, I think it was Demarcus Ayers or one of them. Uh, I, I don't know for sure on, on the difference on that. I'm gonna I'm gonna check real quick here on okay. on transactions directly to uh, IR at this time of time of year. Whether or not you can directly put them on there or not. I, I didn't think you can. could, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I just thought you had to go through. I, I thought there was a point later in the in the summer where you could you know put a guy straight on IR. You know as you get cut down date and get your roster together, but. I could be wrong about that. And again, we don't want to necessarily assume that's the case with Trice, but we do have to start thinking about those things in terms of just roster management to get through camp, get through the preseason. All right. Uh, uh, here's a case with uh, just just yesterday. Uh, you had uh, on Transaction Wire, you had Houston uh, place uh, Troy Harrison on reserve injured right away. Okay. Uh, you had JC Hassenhauer of the Giants go directly to reserve injured. Uh, 
So uh, evidently they can directly place okay. these guys on, on, on reserve, reserve injured. Uh, but within that you have, you do have some guys being waived injured on top of it, you know? So, so what's the difference? Uh, why, why would an Alfonso Graham have to potentially go through a waived injured process instead of just going straight to IR? Is, is it, it, it's not because Hassenauer is a more veteran type player. It, it might be. And how many how many vested years do Troy, does Troy Harrison have in? He might have some. Because I, 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 I think for veteran types, because obviously you don't want to ha- have those guys be exposed to waivers potentially. Now, Harrison, Harrison from Houston, is that who you're talking about? Yeah. Now, he's a undrafted free agent last year, so he wouldn't have those accrued right, or vested years. Right. So I'm not sure then. That's interesting. Yeah. I'll Are you to, sure he wasn't waived injured? He went straight to IR? It didn't. Hold on. Let me see. Make sure it didn't re- say revert within there because normally it says, uh, mm-hmm. no, no, it just does uh, straight reserve injured. Okay. Fair enough. So I'm sure people love our Troy, Troy Hairston discussion here on the podcast. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, my, my apologies. That's my fault for sending us down the rabbit hole. And again, we, we don't know word on Trice right now, but I do want to think about potentially where he may end up. Now, now here's a, here's a situation with can't the day before uh, you had two reserve list additions, one by Kansas city with Isaiah Moore. He was, he went, he was initially waived injured Uh and then reverted uh, to IR reserve injured. So that's a situation where he was waived injured. And then after clearing waivers, he reverted to IR. And then on the same day, you had Trey Turner went directly to reserve injured. Right. But he's a veteran. So that makes sense. But with Harrison, we're we're getting something conflicting there. Yeah. A couple of ex Steelers, unfortunately, with some season ending injuries in Hassenauer and Turner. So definitely feel for, for those guys. Anyway, um, that, that's the update, though, on, on Trice, really, that there's no big update right now, but it looks like it could potentially be a serious thing, and we'll just take it day by day with him. Dave, just to kind of give a 30,000-foot view of training camp yes, yesterday, the Pats coming on for the first time, I think big picture the rookies were impressive. Roderick Jones, I thought, did really well in 1v1 against Marcus Golden. Darnell Washington got some good press, and he needed some good press after a couple of quiet days before the Pats came on. Handling TJ Watt and backs on backers not once but twice, catching his first touchdown of training camp on a big lob lollipop football um, that Trubisky kind of just threw up there and Washington came down with. So it wasn't a perfect day for him, but it was, I think, easily his best day so far. Good, uh, because there's a re- one of the main things to get excited about when it comes to Washington is that blocking ability, right? Uh, and what what he's going to be, be able to provide in the running game uh, there. But within that, you don't want a situation with, with Washington where every time he comes on the field, you think, well, they're going to run the football here. You know, I, obviously, I don't think that's going to be the case. You can, you can disguise that stuff uh, a, a lot better. And uh, here's the thing. Will this offense be able to pass out of, out of uh, 12 personnel? Sure. Their intent is they hope that they can. Um, so they can run big empty. So as you said, they can be versatile and not have these high percentage run uh, personnel groupings that'll that'll tip their hands. So it's something that um, the teams that go you know tight end heavy in the past, like Baltimore, like San Francisco, for example, they are teams that can you know pass out of those formations just as or those groupings just as easily as they can run the ball. And so that's going to be the key for Pittsburgh. Do you remember what the balance was in twelve last year? For the Steelers, uh, hold on, I and I'll pull it up here for Tom you. Tom Mead, yeah, does the charting for that. So, 
I don't know. The, it was 20% maybe, I'm just guessing. I think 18 20% maybe higher. I, I'd have to go I'm, back. I'm going to I'm gonna look at it from just 12 personnel only for the Steelers. Uh, let's see, 241 snaps, it looks like. Uh, pass run tendencies. Short drop back. Let's see, 74. Gap run, zone run. Let's see. I wish they totaled these up by. Uh, Tom Mead has nineteen percent twelve personnel last year. It appears. Or wait, uh, maybe that's maybe that's the post by. That week. that that's total, right? No, I think I'm looking at the wrong thing. I don't know. I'm showing short drop back percentage sixty percent. On 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 twelve percent, you know, twelve personnel plays. Uh, design rollout seventeen percent. Uh, screen percent six percent. Gap runs nineteen percent. Zone runs eighty one percent. Usage. So I guess that's. But they break. What's confusing is they have these broken down. They don't have total pass run you know what i'm saying yeah these numbers aren't adding up to 100 percent. so i'm very right. confused about what these numbers mean right uh, i'm going to have to break them down even further here uh, well let's look, look at it this way okay there's 241 snaps out of 12 okay uh 95 and 8 what's 95 and 8 uh 103 103 of those were some sort of drop back or pass Okay, so they're breaking it down by the percentage of passes, the type of pass, and the percentage of runs, the type of runs, but they're right. not doing it. Okay, so they're I, I see. So they they passed. I don't know forty something percent out of. And, and it looks like uh, two carrier one looks like a hundred and twenty two runs out of two hundred forty one. So I got right at about fifty percent, I guess. Right. All right. Yeah. Yeah, um, we'll see. I mean, I think Pittsburgh wants to have that balance, and I think hopefully this year they're going to have the flexibility from a personnel grouping standpoint. They can go big. They can put in Frymuth and Washington, and Connor Hayward's a, a chess piece. They can go 11 personnel, kind of their their base core with Deontay and Robinson and George Pickens, and those guys have been versatile. Yesterday they were all mixing and matching, playing slot, playing outside, so that's good to see. So certainly um, the goal is to be really, really flexible and varied, not only with your actual play calls, but uh, the looks that you give and you can run the same thing, the same concept out of a different personnel grouping. And that's when you become a really effective offense. Can you see Darnell overtaking from what you've seen so far? Can you see Darnell overtaking Gentry by, by, by the uh, week one? I mean, we're just gonna have to watch his development more. There's a, still a learning curve for a tight end to make, but you're a third round pick. You have the size, the potential of Washington. If he can show something as a blocker, if he can just become a really good blocker to start, and even if the receiving's not quite there, he's already gonna be probably a better, more effective receiver than Gentry is. He's pretty limited there. Then um, Washington's going to see the field. Okay. All right. Uh, who outside uh, young players? Yeah, I mean, Joey Porter getting that pick. I thought he had a good day overall, despite that a crazy catch by Pickens. Nick Herbig had some some good battles overall. I thought against Connor Hayward and backs on backers, he won early. I thought Hayward was better later in that session. I thought uh, in O-line, D-line, Herbig wasn't as successful as I've seen him against the Raven Clark, but credit to Clark for bouncing back and stepping up and doing well overall. But yeah, I just thought the rookie class um, you know, was making plays overall. Uh, did you get any eyes on Spencer Anderson yesterday? Not 
I was he an old? I'm sure he was an old line. Maybe he was an old line dealing. I actually don't know that uh, for sure. Um, he was playing right tackle, third team, nothing uh, too crazy or anything moving or shaking with him. Uh, he had two reps in O line, D line, and I had him winning both against David Perales. So a good sure. showing there. Uh, how about some Kendrick Green talk? We haven't talked too much about him in, in a while. He was going against Keanu Benton yesterday in O-line, D-line, and I thought he held up well, especially on the second rep that they had. I thought Green had a really strong rep. I think Benton tried to club him. I forget the exact move, and Green mirrored it the whole way and and really, I think, won the rep pretty handedly. So it's harder to see it in team because you kind of get so many bodies in the middle at that center position. So I didn't get a great evaluation of that there, but I thought just getting to isolate those guys, O-line, D-line, um, I don't want to say he had a great day overall because I didn't get to see probably enough of a picture to to make that statement. But I thought in the O-line, D-line battles that he had against Benton, he definitely held his own. All right. And what about some of the – you throw out the word fringe players. You, you you better qualify that. Fringe players in most of our minds, probably not, you know, uh, uh, obviously we speculate of of guys that we kind of think are – uh, you know, at the start of camp, you know, or either inside, just inside or just outside uh, uh, the bubble. You know, we talked recently coming out of that last practice for the day off about Kenny Robinson, how at this point, probably moving forward, we, we, we might need to pay a little bit more attention to a guy like Kenny Robinson, who really I didn't even have circled as, as really a, a fringe bubble guy. I had him more outside the bubble than even close to the outside of the bubble. But it sounds like, you know, he's had a good start at camp. Who are some guys that, are that you would consider right there, maybe just inside the bubble or outside the bubble who, who seem to be faring well. Yeah, I would say overall, I thought Jonathan Marshall, the defensive lineman had a good practice and he's a guy that we haven't gotten to see in Pittsburgh because he got what claimed or I forget the mechanism to get him from the jets. And he never ended up playing a snap last year, but I thought he had a couple of really good reps against uh, Bill Dunkel in O-line D-line beat him handedly on back-to-back reps. And then I thought in, uh, team. He had a, a tackle for loss. He was kind of getting in the backfield. He's a guy that's really much on that bubble, maybe on outside looking in, trying to capture a spot there. Um, Cody White continues to stack good days. And I think, you know, for him to make this 53 is still going to be difficult to do, but he should be a really strong bet for the practice squad again. And even someone like Chappelle Russell, the inside linebacker um, who's in with a ton of different guys they've added to that group right now is going to have a really hard climb. But he has a lot of energy, and I thought he was pretty effective in backs on backers and um, was pretty active in, in the in the run session as well. So uh, those are just kind of three names top of my head that, that popped yesterday. All right. Uh, where, where to here, Dave? I'll ask you the, the question that you asked me. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Any, any Anything players said? Uh, you probably hear more quotes than I do post-practice. Anything from, from them or from Tomlin that, that stuck out to you? Yeah, look, I, I thought, well, first and foremost about Minka, uh, uh, Mike Tomlin's not going to volunteer and let you know any timetable on that, you know, other than to say that he has a timetable in his head uh, and that they fully support Minka. So obviously something going on with Minka personal, per- personal wise. And I mean, we'll see if he's out there or not. Yes. You know, it's, it's basically probably going to be a day to day thing with him. Uh, Landon Roberts uh, uh, had some sort of issue and Mike Tomlin made it, made it appear minor. So we'll just have to watch once you get out there at uh, Latrobe today to see if uh, Landon Roberts is, is, is up and running uh, today. Uh, what else stuck out? I, I, TJ Watt, I thought gave a, a really good interview with uh, 
Brian Baldinger on the NFL Network yesterday, uh, talking about some of the things he looks for in different pat- past uh, sets from the tackles and how he likes to uh, to counter those. I, I thought that was uh, very informational. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's surface stuff. It's not shocking, but it's fun to hear TJ talk about that and how he likes to try to get so low on, on some of those edge rushes, uh, 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 to dip and, 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 and win the edge within that. And then talking to, he talked about, you know, about Nick Herbig. He said, uh, Nick Herbig is going to owe him a lot of money by the end <laughs> of, uh, uh, training camp because he keeps, uh, 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 stealing all of his moves and all like that. And, and you know, that's the kind of thing that I, uh, TJ Watts, probably not the most raw, raw pump them up, uh, uh, leader like a Cam Hayward, you know, I think if you gave TJ Watt a choice to be in front of the carrot camera and not in front of the camera, he chose, he would choose to not be in front of the camera. Right. Uh, sure. uh, but within that, it doesn't still mean that you can't lead in other ways on this team. And I think, uh, it sounds like he's taken Herbig under his wing uh, quite a bit. I, I and and I kind of view Highsmith the same way. And Highsmith has even said this that he's more of a, uh, a even though he said at the start of camp that he probably needs to be more of a, a, a vocal leader. He's always going to lead by example. Uh, and I imagine, I mean, you look at a young kid, well, really any young edge rusher in that room at this point. You know, if they're willing to ask the right questions of guys mm-hmm. like. TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith, they're going to get the answers, I think. And it is, it is good. And I, I, you know, uh, it's good that, you know, a young player like Herbig's trying to learn as much as he can when it comes to counters and moves and stuff like that. So I thought that was interesting the way, the way that TJ Watt framed that. I'm with you. I love it. And my view, and I think Watt has spoken to this a bit as well. So this isn't complete conjecture or speculation from me is that TJ Watt's not the the mentor in the sense of he'll come to you and be like, come on, Rook, let me take you under my wing and right. we'll, we'll teach you the ways. But he's a guy that obviously works. And if you watch him and you ask him, he will tell you all that that, that there is to know. And so you have to kind of approach him about it. But it appears that uh, Nick Herbig is that kind of guy that that is willing to ask the question and you know maybe be a little starstruck going up to see TJ Watt and, and, and talk to that guy. I mean, that's, that's probably a natural thing, but willing to have those conversations and Hey, Hey, you know, I want to learn, I want to get better. And I'm not critiquing, I'm not criticizing TJ Watt at all for the, the, the leadership style. Everyone leads in their own way. And he is certainly everything that Pittsburgh needs and more. Um, but I love that for Nick Herbig to ask those questions, to pick someone's brain, to take advantage of the opportunity of playing next to a, you know, a guy like TJ Watt, who's on a Hall of Fame track and Alex Highsmith, who's coming off a big season, two guys that have gotten paid handsomely for rushing the passer and what they do. And so I think it's really cool for Herbig to uh, to 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 take that step, incorporate those moves. And he's had a good camp because of it. And then you have a guy like Patrick Peterson, who, you know, obviously new to the team. But I, I view Patrick Peterson as a guy that he's going to teach you whether or not you. Yes, want. for sure. <laughs> you know, here comes the teaching. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think he uh, and look, he's made plenty of money in the NFL. I'm not saying that that, you know, I think Patrick Peterson is going to go the media route afterwards. And he probably should, because I, I think yeah. he's I, I think he's good. I think he's prepping with 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 with, with Bryant McFadden. Uh, as he he well. is this team's Andrew McCutcheon. That, that's how I view Patrick okay. Peterson. Well, and he's very likable, too. He's super, right. super likable. But I view him as a guy that, you know, he's he. He enjoys the teaching aspect of it so much that 
he he goes around teaching all day you know <laughs> uh uh and 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 i and you know I, i'm not meaning that to be negative at, at no. all it just goes to show you i think that the difference in some of these guys and because we're not we're not all the same you know uh uh with 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 you know, how we deal with other humans, whether it be in, in work or, or, or social situations and all like that. But, uh, within that, you know, I, if something didn't work out for whatever reason in the media realm, I could see Patrick Peterson being a defensive back coach. You know, I don't think that'll happen, but, uh, I think he likes teaching, uh, that much. And, and, you know, uh, much like Tomlin, I think enjoys the living, you know, what out of it. You know, oh yeah, uh, on top of, but it, and then you got a guy like Cameron Hayward, who I think can 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 wear both hats, you mm-hmm. know, uh, uh, with within all like that. So I think you're starting to see. I mean, obviously Hayward and Watt aren't new to this team, but it just I, I think this off season already you're starting to see the different. And then you know, like I said, Highsmith already talking about what he's looking to do uh, this year. And I mean, look, you've got other veterans in that defense as well too. Ogan Joby's more of a uh, you just I'll lead by you watching me. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I don't know too too much about KZ uh, or, or 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 Neil. You know, but they've got a lot of guys that have played a lot of games, and a couple of these guys are new to that defense here. So uh, look, this defense there are going to be some high expectations with this defense this year. Sure. And there are some concerns. I think there have been some communication issues in camp and that's probably natural, but I just see all the new pieces involved. And I see some of these coverage busts that have been happening maybe once a practice. And you just hope those things get worked out before uh, the 49ers come to town on September 10th. But yeah, I think leadership comes in different ways and it's not a cookie cutter. One size fits all. And it can evolve over a player's career. I'm sure that when Patrick Peterson was 25, he wasn't the leader that he is now. But when you're 33 and, you know, you have one or two years left in the NFL, you kind of become that leader because your time is pretty short in the NFL. Maybe when TJ Watts 33, that leadership mentality will change a little bit. But, yeah, there's some really good leaders, even a Landon Roberts. You know, when Quan Alexander got signed Sunday, you know, it's Roberts and Alexander walking down together. They're going over things early in practice. That's the guy that Robert knows might come for his job, might take away his playing time. It's still going to help him out, still going to get him up to speed on the system. And you got to respect Landon Roberts for that, who had a good practice on Tuesday before getting dinged uh, late in the session. Offensively, Allen Robinson, kind of that take you under the wing mentality for George Pickens for this still pretty young wide receiver room. So it's exciting to see these veteran guys um, come in and and be a, a good and healthy presence. All right, I think we got about closing in on the forty-five minute mark here, uh, so that that's probably enough because you and I'll be have to get back after this thing uh, later on tonight and recap practice. What are some of the things that 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 you're you're specifically going to try to keep keep your eyes on today? And I don't know how the hell you do it. Uh, mm-hmm. you, your neck, you must have a sprained neck trying to watch all that at one time and take the shorthand and all like that. So kudos. And yes, yesterday's report was very, very thorough. And in first, first day of practice in pads, I know there was a lot to watch and you got the drills going, you know, the wide receiver versus uh, DB drills going on while you got backs on backers going on and all like that. But uh, uh, quick, quick recap of kind of what you're looking for on Wednesday. 
Yeah, I still try to watch trench play, assuming the pads will be on today, and it's it's Tomlin's discretion. But uh, I looked at my notes last year, and they were in pads the day after the first day in pads um, last year, so they should be in pads today. So assuming that's the case, you try to watch trench play as much as possible. More information on Broderick Jones, maybe some insight on a guy like Kendrick Green, how he's looking. I want to try to watch some more Keanu Benton a little bit more uh, intently as well. So um, you know, I just try to soak up those opportunities as much as possible whenever uh, the pads are popping. All right. I'm looking at the email machine. Not many questions in here at all. So we can kind of table some of those until we get later on uh, in the week, maybe maybe Friday, because that's a Friday night light. So we won't be so rushed to probably knock out the uh, morning podcast and all like that. But uh, anything else to add before you uh, ride on off out to Latrobe? Nope. We'll uh, we'll come back uh, later tonight, talk about what happened on Wednesday and go from there. All right. Good job. All right. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Pizarro. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, steedersdepot.com. Hit the donate button upright navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad-free version of the site, steedersdepot.com, uh, upright navigational bar that way. So uh, hope you enjoyed this. Make sure you're uh, uh, getting through all those uh, camp report, diary reports, Reports from uh, nightly from Alex Cazaro. And, and once again, we do a, you know, about 35, 40 minute nightly podcast recap of all the practices as well, too, that uh, most of you should be well aware for, uh, of, of are happening right now as well, too. So in the meantime, as always, thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex.